Yo, welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. This is Brian Porter, your host. Um, on this episode, I chatted with Big Vic from the Detroit-ish, Ann Arbor-ish, Ipsy-ish, Southeast Michigan-ish area. Um, they have a new record. We talked about this a long time ago, and then I've uh, taken a much-needed break from the podcast, but now I'm getting back into it. I'm releasing those episodes, and Big Vic is a sweet band. Um, they're on Acrobat Unstable Records. They have like a really interesting grungy sound that's not your typical grunge by any means. Um, just go to Spotify and give their shit a listen. Um, that being said, follow the podcast at Invite the Neighbors Pod on all the platforms. And I'm going to get right into this episode. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Is he a bear? He is a bear. Is that supposed to be a bear? Yeah, it's a bear. It's a robot bear. Um, okay, Craig, the robot bear. Yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, but the, the whole swearing thing—it's kind of like the uh, the ghost tour um, from I think you should leave. Have you ever seen that show? Can we or can we not swear? <laughs> yes, but it's it's kind of like you don't have to say like fuck every other word, but you—I mean, you can. Okay. Don't care. What about big fat little cum? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Sorry, mom, if you ever hear. Uh, I my dad say... <laughs> sorry sorry horse dad. cock yeah you can say horse cock <laughs> <laughs> uh big vickles what's up how are we doing you guys um yeah. where are you from by the way i mean ann arbor i, I assume maybe because i saw I the the you we started okay we all i saw the you missed emails yeah, um, I just graduated. I still live in Ann Arbor, but I grew up in Metro Detroit area. So, oh okay. Uh, I grew up in Grand Rapids and lived in Ann Arbor as well because I also went to school there. And now I live in Detroit. Oh, dope! Yeah, I went to U of M once upon a time, and now I'm in Taylor. So, kind of like reverse. Of, uh, oh Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like I have Taylor be I live in Taylor because like my grandparents owned a house here as like a rental property okay. and they let me buy it for cheap. So like it I was mean, either hey, like it, yeah, it was in like like being in a band, it's so clutch to have a basement. So like Absolutely. I was like pay rent to live somewhere cool or live in Taylor and have a house. It was that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, Taylor's like still like convenient to a lot of places. So, yeah. You have to drive anywhere to get to do literally anything in Detroit anyway. So, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really not that big of a deal. But, um, yeah. So, I, uh, I listened to a little bit of your guys' record. I'm always really bad about like doing my homework on the other side of it because I kind of like, I like to kind of, get the vibe of the people first and then listen to it like that's fair like if i had the chance to anyways like if, if i didn't know you if i wasn't getting a chance to like talk to you guys i would just go ahead and listen to it or if like some other band that i just just heard of but i have no idea who the fuck they are and i don't know if i'm ever gonna be able to talk to them i'll just listen to it but like this type of situation i'm like all right well i'm actually gonna get to talk to these guys a little bit let me like let me hear it let me hear what you guys have to say about your music and then when I go listen to it, I'll be like, 
okay, I kind of know what they were going for here. It's not often that you get to listen to something for the first time after having the band tell you what they were trying to do with it. You know what I mean? It's usually like after yeah. the fact that you might. Yeah. But I did notice one song where uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the one that starts really slow and it slowly like speeds up until the yeah, end. The last track on the album, yeah. That's really fucking cool. I wanted to give you guys props. Just Thanks. That, <laughs> that was really awesome. Um, and I, uh, is that hard to play live? Like, is that, do you guys play to a click or anything like that? No. Uh, no. Um, we do play with a really, really good drummer, though. So it's the easiest yeah. thing in the world. Exactly. Yeah. We have, we have one part where, like, the, the tempo changes from really fast to really slow, but, like, over the course of, like, a bar. And that mm. is such a pain in the ass to, to, to try and get it in sync. I couldn't imagine, like, doing it over the course of an entire song and like I like kind of knowing where you're going to start and knowing where you got it. I feel like it would take a little bit of like restraint throughout the song to like not speed up too quickly because you have you to know, one thing that one thing that helps that is uh, at the, the start of each kind of louder part there's like a big drag that happens like where like the first half of the first bar will just be like super like behind and then it will kind of pick back up. And so that's nice to uh kind of like orient yourself. It's most noticeable in like the very last one, like Joey slows down like a ridiculous amount and then it like kind of goes back in. I don't know. It's just some kind of cool stuff playing with the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to play because our drummer Joey Fortino, he plays on the record and we play shows with him a lot. He's just he's such a good drummer. Yeah. But that's like really um, the key to that song. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's like the easiest thing in the world to do if you don't think about it. As long as you don't think about yeah. it. The moment you start thinking about it, you're gonna fuck up. It's gonna be terrible. That is such a uh a theme just in general. I mean for life, but especially music that i found like especially like i sing and play guitar so like and vic you could probably is that your name vic yeah but, yeah yeah i wanted to make sure that i'm not like calling you like i call pat ray mr holmes sometimes but um <laughs> but uh or my favorite domino's delivery driver but uh what i was gonna say i forgot um oh yeah but like so like when you're singing and playing guitar if you're thinking about what you're doing, you'll fuck up. Like it just is what it is. Yep. You have to have it, and or even if you don't have it, it, it really is. It really is. Like it can be so. Uh, like if 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 I forget lyrics live, which happens, you know, I just won't sing. Like I don't try to. Like I just pretty quickly. I'm like I'm not getting it. I'm just gonna let it go. I'm just gonna jam. Because like if I try to focus on like what the fuck did I write. You know, it'll it'll screw everything. everything else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's I've fun. There, so. I was gonna ask too. Um, when you write a song like that, I mean, do you kind of go into it thinking like for that song? I guess in particular, did you did you know that you wanted to play with the time, or did you kind of have the song and then? Like I'm kind of asking, came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you have the song, 
and then you decided to play with the time or did you have an idea to tell you at the time and then you wrote the song for that so we had the song so this, this is like one of the older songs like i wrote it before jeff was like a main member of the band um and like the earlier iterations of that song we definitely like do the speed up thing but it felt like if you like, i think there's like a really early recording of it from 2019 um like one of the like random demo eps that i put out um and it's very like it feels like really stiff and not like a fluid speed up and like we took me jeff joey and ines like took that idea and just kind of ran with it and i think we just like ended up making it a much more polished and thought out idea and then even uh, in the studio, me and Jeff were like playing around with changing the guitar textures a little bit each time the te- the tempo changes. That was definitely like I wrote the song and the tempo change thing was like just it was not a total afterthought because yeah. the lyrics are so repetitive. I say the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Thought, um. Like doing the chemp tempo change kind of changes the emotion that you get out of the phrase that I'm singing. Yes. Yes. I got that from listening. Like I definitely picked up on that. Cool. (laughs) And I I think like this is, I mean, obviously a personal preference, but when I listen to, uh, when I listen to songs in general, like I'm, I, I really think that, repeating a lyric if it's the right lyric you know it can be so much more powerful if you do it the right way than like some like super like illustrious like prosaic like yeah you know like super long and detailed and dense like yeah i mean that shit can be good like i.e like bright eyes you know shit's good but i i think of like sometimes radiohead will do a thing where they just kind of say the same thing over and over and it just kind of like meaning like compounds itself like the more you kind of layer it um i thought that was pretty cool um yeah yeah for sure i uh now that i'm like actually in a band i can give other bands props i i used to before i had like my own band doing my own thing i would always just have like the the worst like fomo like whenever i see it doing cool shit i'm like it was like hard for me to like hear it you know because i'm just like i want to be doing it so bad but <laughs> I mean, I still feel that way, even though I am in a band. Yeah, I do too. But it's not as bad. It's not as bad. Yeah, yeah. I wish I wish I was in Steely Dan in 1974. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, like I mentioned Radiohead all the time. Like I wish I was Ed O'Brien in 1997. Just, oh, just yeah. like, just fucking yeah. strumming, dude. Just playing with those pedals. Ugh. Yeah. But so I'm going to talk a lot about the. Uh, I'm not gonna talk. I'm gonna ask you a lot about this record that you guys put out, and a lot of times I'm all over the place. But I think the way I want to do it this time is uh, start with the instrumental side of things, and then move to like the like the thematic lyrical side. So when it comes to just instrumentally sound, the vibe. What what was the thought? I mean, what was the inspiration? Like, did you have an idea going in? Like, this is what we wanted to sound like, or were it, did the sound just like, kind of come out? And 
what do you think that it, it kind of speaks to in terms of uh, your influences? Uh, I think I can speak, I can, I can answer yeah. that one pretty succinctly. So there's two wolves inside each of us. There's the ghost of Steve Albini and there's the ghost of Kevin Shields and they're at odds and they're trying to fight for who has the better, the better vibe and yeah. a piece of recorded music. And we were trying to balance those, but since they are kind of at odds with each other, uh, it doesn't end up sounding like a mixture of both. It just kind of sounds like something else. And yeah, so that, that was that's kind of like the um vibe, I guess. Um, yeah, and said it better. <laughs> I was going to use the same the same metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did you, uh, I wouldn't want to cut you off. Okay, I was going to say, and did did you like kind of in terms of like effects or like guitars, amps, and stuff? Like, did you guys go into it thinking like you wanted to have like any certain like arrangements or like any certain actual like sounds? Like sometimes, like I'll write like for the record that I made, I I had like one pedal that I wanted to feature a lot. And I, that's kind of all I knew and everything else just kind of like happened in the studio. But did you guys like have anything like gear wise that like really started to inspire like the actual sonic vibe of the, what the record was? Uh, yeah, this is sort of my, my wheelhouse. Uh, so pardon if I get too verbose on, on <laughs> Hey, this shit, is the platform but, for that. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, it sort of starts with like the drum sound, um, which we we recorded it in an empty bar uh, in Ypsilanti, uh, like wood which one? floors. Uh, Ziggy's. Oh shit! Nice. Yeah, David David Jeffries just kind of let us set up there for a day, um, and uh, so brought all my microphones, brought a bunch of drums and preamps and such, and. Uh, uh, a bunch of ribbon mics far away from the drums and then it sounded like that uh, and that's uh great and uh then for guitar tones and stuff uh we were definitely really really shooting for it to sound as gigantic and heavy as possible um uh, I've I've been a, a accumulating kind of doom metal type gear for a while. Yeah. Most of the the bands and musical projects I am involved with are like folk or funk, and they don't get very much use. Yeah. And so it was <laughs> it was time to time to turn all the knobs all the way up, uh, so yes. to speak. Yeah. Um. And then one fairly inspiring piece of gear uh for me i found a a guy on facebook marketplace that was gonna throw out a 1958 fender tremolux like a tweed combo you um, throw it out yeah i was gonna <laughs> put it on the curb fine <laughs> dude yeah wow um, yeah, it was that in like a fender Rhodes and a farfisa and stuff and uh yeah, I'm never gonna get that lucky again in my life. But that that has no. the absolute best tone out of any amp all time on Jeff's I think 
I think that song that we've been talking about anymore, uh, the last one, like the first two minutes, it's just that amp, no pedals, nothing, yep. just a tally straight in. And it sounds gorgeous. Wow. Who is this gear fairy that just was like, you know, first come, first serve on some like heavenly equipment here? That's insane. Yeah. That's- it's, uh, yeah. So I've started going to church. Um, <laughs> prayers right praying around. for another for another little gear fairy to fall in your yeah mind. maybe maybe it'll happen again who knows fine intervention for sure wow yeah that's cool like i i really want to mess with a little bit more of like straight amp tones myself because like i have such a monu just this monolith fucking huge uh, pedal board that like I feel like I reel it in fairly well you know and I'm never going to not have it live but I've experimented now with like a two guitar amp set up live to where like all my pedals are going into just one amp and then I have another amp that is clean so like if I wanted to get just straight amp, I can switch over to that one and then like if I have like super heavy delays or something going or like a super like I love like old blood noise pedals where it's like super like I have this black fountain delay where it's like super murky and like super just like very colorful delay pedal like I have both amps going so that you get all that but you can still hear like the part itself because clean amp is just playing part you so you get the clarity and you get like wet effects too but, uh, that's actually sort of uh, like that sort of idea of like parallel processing. Uh, yeah, that that is doing. Um, we did a lot of that uh, throughout, where we would. It was sort of like a manual doing that, where we would record one super murky, like death by audio, all the knobs all the way up, type vibe. Yeah. Um, like super just sludgy, beefy, uh, thick, fuzzy tone. Fart. Yeah, farts, yeah. total farts. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, whatever chord you're playing, it has to be a power chord. Yeah. Because there's no clarity. Yeah. It's it's essentially just another bass. Um, and then uh, as you, like, doing more layers, uh, but, like, sort of focusing the tones on different frequency ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they move up in frequency, they also uh, move down in gain. So, like for the real, like shimmery stuff, like it would be like a jazz chorus uh, up on top, and then there'd be like the hillbish, you know, sun beta lead type thing on the lower guitar stuff. And that that was pretty successful in creating that whole kind of wall sort of thing. Yeah but still sort of retaining some note content and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's like one of my favorite things to do in music is, is playing in the studio, you know, like I, uh, it's, it's so much fun to just kind of do what you're saying and experiment with tones and kind of a lot of times it can be trial and error. Even, you know, you kind of have a theory of what's going to sound good. Like, Oh, if I take this guitar and I really, you know, have this tone and like I throw it over on this side of the sound spectrum or whatever and then I'm going to double that part but I'm going to put it over here and I'm going to have this Yeah, it's so much fun I mean 
the only thing that limited me when I was doing that was, you know, I was paying for the time, you know, because I don't know how to like sound engineer. I just know how to like produce like the the non knob turning of production is what I like to do. But when you're paying to do it, it's like you kind of have to kind of get a move on, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, that's cool to hear, though. It's really cool that you guys had Ziggy's just kind of like. Yeah, it was very clutch. It was very, it was very generous from yeah. David yeah. Jeffries. Shouts out David Jeffries. Shouts out David Jeffries, for sure. Hi, David. So about the, um, so I think that kind of covers the uh, kind of like the instrumental side of things. One thing I did want to say that you said before, like when you're talking about like the, like the two wolves, which is the, one of the coolest things that's ever been said on this podcast. I love like animal <laughs> metaphors, <laughs> especially when we're talking about spiritual wolves. So that's, that's fucking dope. <laughs> but I think that you mentioned like you can literally be trying, you can really try intently to combine two very concrete influences and it'll still come out. It's like something else. Like you can be consciously in your head, just like totally ripping off. Like, conceptually like uh like or sound like sonically like you could be really trying to like i'm very very guilty of like listening to okay computer and like saying like okay i'm gonna steal this vibe i'm gonna just like in all you know for all intents and purposes i'm just ripping it but when it comes out in a song that i made it you, you know you wouldn't really know that unless i told you it's just like a jumping off point yeah absolutely it makes me think of like most classic example that I can think of is Kurt Cobain was writing Nirvana songs trying to sound like the Pixies. Yeah. Yeah. Like the loud, quiet thing that Nirvana does. He got that from the Pixies. Yeah. And it's it's like it you'd almost have to be trying to really get it to sound like anything but yourself. Like you'd have to be like literally using music theory to use the same chords or you'd have to, like, you know, you'd have to like literally be playing. I mean, I was going to say that that's the difference. Like if you're literally playing the same melody, then it's one. Yeah. But if you're just trying to go for a vibe, it's always going to be different. So I, I actually encourage. Yeah. Like, like just rip some shit off in your own way. Like it's okay. Like people, everyone has influences, even the stuff that you hear that's like, groundbreaking and like how do they come up with it it's like this brand new thing they were just they, they had influence yeah so yeah like um that makes me think about i guess relating it back to our record so i was just like stuck in this really big like like lyric slump with um it was gun girl and worms those were the two songs that were just like lyrically i was like i have no idea what to do with this and I was just at work one day, and my boss put on um, dry cleaning. I'd never heard them before. I don't know how, because they're like very in my wheelhouse of kinds of music that I like, meaning like British post-punk. Um, I never heard of them. And it just kind of it clicked for me. Like hearing that, I was like, that's exactly what I want to try and do with these songs. Is because like the singer of that band, she he just like talks almost. Like there's like obviously like a little bit of like you no know, particular rhythm that she does and like yeah. a particular like 
there, like there's like an essence of singing, but she's definitely not. She's also not like rapping. I know um, what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I think there's like a lot of like that. A lot of post punk bands do that, like Proto Martyr, you know, classic, like you know, Me Without Detroit You, great example. Yep. So it's just like, yeah. and I don't know. I think just because I don't hear too many female voices doing that, I not that I felt like I couldn't do it, but I was just kind of like. It's hard for me to picture, and like I was like Kim Gordon does that kind of stuff a lot too, but she like sings a little bit more than um, the singer dry cleaning does. Um, but yeah, like that, like that was like listening to that song that my boss played at work was like divine inspiration for what I wanted to do lyrically and like vocal delivery. So yeah, like sometimes it's sometimes you just have to like wait for that shit to happen. I think it's weird too. Like everybody sings, but like if you do something that's not quite singing, then it's it's like almost like there's a fear of like oh, like are you going to be accused of like ripping somebody off? But it's just like that's just yeah. another thing that you can do, you know. Like it's okay. It's not like someone invented talking, you know. Like I mean, maybe somebody <laughs> did, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, it's it's okay to just do whatever the fuck you want. I I think it's it's cool to like experiment with different types of things like that like i want to hear more bands like take like a i want to see like what people do like what frank ocean does where he just like raps and sings and just does whatever and he's like good at all of it i would like to see that in like more rock music to like just blending like if, if you can do it with your voice and it sounds cool just do it like don't just because like there's some convention about like oh well that's not what's done here in this type of music like that's the most annoying thing to me is when like people say oh well this song like I'll be in pra- like if I've been in band practice and like the song is feeling a certain way and then someone will not want to play like a particular part because it sounds like well the song right now sounds like an indie folk type of thing so I don't know if I want to do like this like punky sort of guitar part. I'm like, no, you absolutely should do that. Yeah. You should like lean into that and see where it takes you. And maybe it takes you in the wrong direction, but at least like you experimented with something. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't ever want a song to be just a straightforward, like one thing, you know, like I I'm anal about that. Like I, I need to have a blend. Like I can't just have like a, pop punk song or like just an emo song i it has to have like a blending like a lot of different things going on in order for me to even want to listen to it like for my own stuff like sometimes i'll yeah. be in a mood when i listen to straight hip-hop or straight metal or something and that's cool but when it comes to what i want to make i don't want to make anything that's like one thing and that's just a personal preference i guess um, no, I, th- I, th- I feel the same way and i'm sure when it comes to like Big Vic stuff, I'm sure Jeff feels the same way as well. That's the way to like, be. I just feel like there's a lot of influences that me and Jeff tried to combine on the record. Like I like like you said earlier, the main two wolves are Steve Albini and Kevin Shields. But in between those two wolves are a lot of tiny dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's like a a lot of like uh just like random shit 
that we are definitely uh taking influence from uh yeah. like there's there's one song on on the record it's called gun girl um it's extremely uh kind of no wave uh like early 80s new york type sounding shit um but the baseline during the verses is is literally just an extremely basic gospel baseline like it's 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 just but played really fast <laughs> yeah played really fast but all it is all it's doing is just walking from the one to the four to the one to the four and yeah like it that's not really an influence that uh i kind of thought would come come through but it did but also like uh uh the two other people that played on the record uh ines and joey um ines doesn't really like listen to too much shoegaze or or anything like that like she's a a jazz musician um and joey mostly listens to hip hop and stuff. The drummer. Um, <laughs> cool. And it mostly plays that type of shit too. Uh, so I don't know. There's, there's like some wild shit that sometimes happens. Um, yeah, I, I think I love that. I wasn't really going anywhere with that. No, it's like, <laughs> I love hip hop drums, especially though. That's so cool. Like I, I'm a sucker for just like, I don't like when drums are overcomplicated. Like I like watching YouTube videos of it, but I don't like. All right, maybe don't listen to the album then. Don't listen to the album. Joey does a lot of complicated. Yeah, Joey, Joey's Joey's I'm, playing I'm talking a lot. About, I'm talking about like Carter from Dave Matthews type shit, where it's just like. Oh yeah, no. That's what I mean. I mean, that's I like complexity. Vibe. Don't get me wrong, but like drum solo shit is like, I don't know. I like a certain level of complexity for sure. But like when I listen yeah. to drums, I love like, I like watching drummers with style, I guess. I don't know. I'm, that's probably, it's probably cause I'm not a drummer, you know, I, but I like when they have like, like they play with confidence and they, it's like, just, I like yeah. that beats, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I love that in, in rock music, especially like when you take like a hip hop or like an R and B type beat and then you like play rock music over it. I love that shit. Um, but yeah, I want to jump into like the other side of things. Like, uh, I, I love hearing different approaches to, um, I guess creating an, an, an album from the conceptual side of things, because, you know, you literally have everything from zero concept, just whatever to full blown concept record. Each song has a piece of it. And then in between, there's just kind of like, in between is where my record stood, for instance. Like it had a concept that I figured out after the fact. And the concept just sort of arose from the fact that I wrote everything around a certain period of time. So naturally, there was a theme, you know. But I'm curious, kind of like where your guys' record kind of stands in that spectrum. I'd say probably like a similar standpoint. Uh, a lot of it was written in like 2019. Uh, like a very particular period of my of time 
for me and um some of the other stuff was written you know along the way um and then a, a couple of the songs were more a lot more collaborative in terms of like from the beginning to end of songwriting um obviously as we like put the record together it became a lot more of a collaborative process um in terms of like finishing the song and like how do we want it to sound and how do we want it to fit within the context of the album but i would never i wouldn't say that this is like i went in with a concept and this is what we wanted to do it was kind of like oh yeah i wrote all of these songs when i was really depressed about yeah. this specific thing and so like a lot of you know it just ended up being that way that they kind of like fit together in a certain way um but it, that wasn't the initial intention it's kind of like oh here's an amalgamation of songs they kind of sound they have like this kind of sound and how can we glue them together in the studio to make it more cohesive yeah i like that because i i, I think there's different types of uh I mean, it's not that I think this, there are, there's different types of songwriters and different types of brains, you know what I mean? And I think like, you think like Coheed and Cambria, for instance, like that's a band where they have like this multi-album story arc <laughs> where it's fucking bad, but like, I couldn't do that. Like I, I have to, like you mentioned being depressed when you're writing stuff. Like I almost feel like I have to be depressed to write good shit. <laughs> If I'm doing all right, it's like naturally I need to just kind of chill out on that. I can make another record. <laughs> it's like go ba- go back to the the hole. Yeah, it's it's fucked. The depression uh, creative hole. Yeah, I don't know. Like, do you do you find that to be true at all? Like, have you ever written anything when you were just kind of chilling, doing good, and that you actually liked? Because I I don't know. I don't know if I ever have. Um, we'll do though. You know. Well, there was one exception on the album that I wrote while I was in like a better place, but then things happened and then we changed it (laughs) to reflect how I felt about the thing afterwards. We put all the lyrics in past tense. Uh, Jeff, come on. This isn't making yeah. me feel good about my future because I was hoping you'd tell me, no, nah, there's a lot, you know, a lot of things we did. We were really happy. I'm just like, I went to uh, art school and I, and my, I did a, and I'm not doing art professionally at all right now. So, yeah. I don't know what that has to do with anything that I was just talking about. Uh, at least my, <laughs> my like personal work, uh, I I can only write or create when I'm feeling great. So and that's just huh. me, though. Um, yes. I, yeah. yeah. Like, if I'm feeling bad, I just won't do it. Nothing will come out. Yeah, that's... It's it's really weird. Uh, it's I, I envy that. But also, though, like, in a way, it's a... If you have to be depressed, at least you can for the types that like you write really well when they're depressed like at least you have that you know like at least you have like some some release true and 
you know, like a lot of, a lot of the shit that I'll write, like, yeah, yeah. And like, you ever, you ever like write something and someone will hear it or they'll read lyrics and be like, are you okay? And it's like, well, I am now because. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, well, I am because I made this, you know, like that was my way of being okay. was like taking all this shit and like just taking it out and putting it down and like having it be somewhere else other than my brain you know yeah it's just kind of like like i said earlier it was very therapeutic because it was funny because like me and jeff this was i think this was the lyrics to the first track on the record um and like if you pay attention to them it's like i like take you through kind of like I, I i make an analogy of like comparing myself like getting so lost in like a depression hole to being like a lost boy without his mother. Um, and then like, it takes you through this like kind of like fucked up storyline of what does a little kid do when they can't find their mom? And like Jeff had never like, like known, had known what I was saying, even though we had been playing the song together for a long time. And I, it, we were like, cause the a couple PA always sucks. That's true. And Jeff, like, finally heard what I was saying for the first time. He's like, Vic, that's what you're saying. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that actually uh, happened while we were making the record. Healthy levels of concern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's always a little embarrassing, I feel, for me anyways, like, to have people figure out what you're writing about. It's, like, really vulnerable, you know? And Yeah, and, like, Sorry to cut you off, but no, you're good. Like, I feel like it's only vulnerable to the people that I am directly closest to. Literally, exactly what I was going to say. No, and they like already kind of know what's going on anyway. Like, maybe it's like vulnerable in the sense like I'm communicating that not with directly to them and i'm being like like obviously like more artsy about it you know however yeah. you want to say that i was kind of like i'm being really vulnerable with like a small group of people but then like people that i don't know for example will listen to it and you know maybe pay attention to the lyrics and like they can only guess so much with what's going on about me or like i could pull like a mitski and be like these are all characters. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm not sad. (laughs) You know, like Mitski, like, it's like, you guys just keep coming up with all these crazy ideas about what my songs are are about, but you know, don't have to take it so literally, which is true. Like you can take my lyrics and make whatever ideas you want about them. Yeah. That's, uh, it's pretty spot on though like i think i was like i was gonna say like it's it's i'm only like when i play shows i don't i'm not scared at all to play in front of strangers like i get excited about playing in front of strangers because they don't know shit about me it's it's like exactly and i have a show if and like someone i'm related to is gonna be there or like one of my close friends that has never like known this side of me is gonna see it that's when i get nervous as shit I'm like, oh god, I think I'm fucking whatever. Fill in the blanks, you know. Like it's just like, yeah, that's when it feels really, really vulnerable. 
or you know having my like one of my friends read lyrics or something and and not really being embarrassed of what i wrote but just having anxiety like ah are they going to realize that this is art or are they going to like just be concerned you know <laughs> yeah like but anyways like in terms of um Oh, like the the theme. I mean, have you? You said you were like kind of depressed and you wrote it, but coming away from it, can do you see any like specific themes that you kind of pull away from it, or do you think that like have you? Can you imagine like what other people might take away from it? Um. No, I mean like. I guess besides, like, themes of, like, working through depression, like, there's a couple other moments on the album when I kind of, I guess it gets a little bit political in a way because I'm, like, writing about the, like, a lot of uncomfortable things that I have to deal with because I'm a woman. And trying to you know, make a story out of it or, like, make a character out of it and, like, kind of remove myself from it, but it's still, like, I'm trying to make it not, like, it's a little less specific about certain experiences, I guess, those couple songs on the record. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. What was the original question? But, like... Oh, no, just like I was asking, like, if there are any particular themes that you pulled about it. And I know it's actually more of a difficult question that I've asked. But like, you know, if like I I've never really asked this, but to ask what the artist imagines other people might take away from it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, because that's kind of that's what Gun Girl is about. We like talked about that song earlier um, because we thought like sonically you know it kind of does this like really crazy like uncomfortably fast like punk new no wave type of thing like dissonant chords and very just like it feels very anxious and driving and then you know that kind of inspired me to be like what are things that make me feel that kind of discomfort that someone might get out of listening to this song and i was like Mm. oh immediately is like i'm just minding my business walking down the street and some guy decides to follow me or try to hit on me, cat call me, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, so obviously like makes me think about like walking, like walking fast past some guy who's cat calling me and not acknowledging him or like, you know, not trying to stick out too much in like certain kinds of situations because I'm a woman and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, like that's like a like something that someone could get out of that because I feel like that song it's pretty obvious what that that what I'm like trying to get at. Um, people could get it's a breakup album out of it. I think um, I don't know. I just want to know if maybe, maybe like worked for anyone. I just don't, I don't understand. Like, I was sighing because I just, like, it's so annoying to me that that type of shit even exists. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. 
understand the mind of someone. Yeah, thinks, me either. <laughs> like, my strategy, like, this is going to work, man. Like, what kind of like smooth brain bullshit is that? I, I just don't even get it. I, I mean, like, I've like gotten into arguments with like some of my like female friends about this, and like, I feel like it. Like kind of, I feel like it kind of has to depend on the person. Like some people, and obviously, like how it is said to you, because like I've had men do like compliment me on the street, and you know, like maybe like because they're not saying it in an aggressive way or like objectifying me. It's I mean, yeah. it's not maybe it's not necessarily catcalling. Like it's definitely still like uncalled for, and I'm not like it's like I'm like passing by. And it's not like threatening really in any way. Yeah. Versus like, oh, like if someone said it like aggressively or like like talked about a certain body part or something. It's one thing like to be like, hey, cool shoes. And versus like, oh hey, girl, you know, looking fine or whatever the fuck. You know? Yeah. It's one thing like, hey, I like your, you know, hat <laughs> or something. Like I, I you know. It's, it, you can, but I feel like you can immediately pick up the vibe, though. Like as soon yeah. as someone, no matter what they say, like how they say it, you immediately know if this dude's being weird or if they just like genuinely yeah. like, you know. Yeah, because like a couple of my friends have like getting have gotten obviously like depends on the context and what was said and how it was said, but like something that would offend me necessarily wouldn't offend someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like obviously better to just not say anything at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that should be the baseline. That should be a nice rule for people Lovely. who have bad intentions. Don't speak, <laughs> but so, they must and, think that they don't, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Men are strange sometimes. Yeah, that's the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so I want to jump into, like, the kind of last thing I want to talk about is live shows. So, like, lately I've been thinking about, like, when I get done playing a show or something, like, I don't know what to do with myself. And I, I'm just curious, like, what's, what's your guys' feeling the day of a show? like? Are you, are you anticipating it? And like, I guess just like kind of take me through like how you're feeling like a day, you know, you're going to play a show and then, and then it happens and then afterward. And I'm asking as someone who like, sometimes like, I, I feel like I underestimate the, the need for me to take space for myself both before and afterwards because it's like such a emotionally draining thing to do that like, I, I don't know. I feel like I could benefit from like scheduling alone time before and after for myself without feeling like pretentious, like, oh, I, I can't be bothered. You know what I mean? It's not like that. It's, but it's just like, it's so draining. And sometimes, like, I just don't know what to do. So I'm just curious, like, what are your guys' experiences with that? Now, do you want to talk, Jeff, for a minute? Uh, yeah. So, um I'll I'll usually show up uh well before I need to 
And then I just am standing around uh, because I'm really excited for the show. Um, and then I'm just really bored at a different place than my house. Um, (laughs) sometimes I'll talk to people, uh, and then, uh, my general MO is I'll, as soon as like it gets like doors opening, I will run back to the green room so I don't have to look at anybody or have them look at me. And then I will uh, play my scales for about three and a half hours until it's time for us to play. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it, folks. (laughs) Recipe for success. Yeah. Along the way, you know, you you consume the prerequisite beers, but... (laughs) You You gotta keep that right wrist moving, you know? You can't let it get cold. <laughs> so it's been said. So I've heard. I don't know scales, though. That's the problem. I'm not a theory I person. I don't know me. That would help you. Yeah, some people tell me that. But yeah, uh, Jeff, Jeff tells me that a lot. <laughs> it would definitely help me. I've been needlessly against learning. But I... uh I have this stupid like misconception that I just actively nourish in my head that like not knowing theory makes me a better songwriter for myself. Not that I'm better than somebody who knows theory. Absolutely not. I'm saying that. I'm just saying that I feel like not knowing anything forces the stuff that comes out of me to just really be how I'm feeling. Cause I don't, I don't go for any particular words. Yeah, well, I've, I've heard. I've no, 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 it's just, no. I mean, there's nothing's better or worse. But um, I've heard people say that before, and like, I can like sort of understand it, but like, it's it's really just not an opinion that I I really share. Um, mm-hmm. Because like the way that I sort of look at it is like music theory is not like rules. It's a description of why something yeah. worked or maybe didn't work. And when you have like a, a terminology for something, you can return to it easier than being like, oh, that went from the open to the fourth fret. And then I went up to the, you know, it's it's like, oh, the secondary dominant, the five of five or something, you know. Um, uh, and like. I think that only helps communicate with other musicians and I I don't really think that learning something new limits like it's not a rule it's right. not prescriptive it's descriptive of something that's already there oh, and everyone yeah, knows know. some of it intuitively anyway like everyone knows yeah. what a 145 sounds like and so I don't know I whenever I come across that that type of uh uh, take yeah, I just try to try to say that a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely learning, like learning a new thing doesn't doesn't filter out anything. Yeah, I'm definitely just like oh, lazy. Yeah, this is my kitty. <laughs> I miss, kitty. I miss my cat. cat now. Yeah, I have two. The other one nice. is not so 
photogenic. She's very fat and just likes to lay in her chair. This one, <laughs> likes, to, this one likes to jump around. That is way more funny. Yeah. Yeah. Someone once asked me, like, if the other cat, like, if my cats were humans, like, what jobs they would have. And uh, the other cat would definitely just be, like, either working at a comic store and, like, just chilling or, like, working at a movie theater. And I, I just picture her working at a movie theater for some reason, just, like, taking tickets, but, like, politely and just, like, just being, like, a jolly, fat little fellow. Because that's what she is. Like she's so, she's so nice and like so just loves everybody to a fault, probably. Yeah, I love those kitties. But uh, yeah. But Vic, yeah. What what were you gonna? What would you say about like the day of I show like, type stuff? Um, I feel like because I am the the front person of the band, I feel mm-hmm. like naturally i'm the more recognizable member of the band and i've found that i get caught up in talking to people a lot more than the rest of my bandmates yeah and like i get distracted more easily like partially because i think because i'm the front woman people are like oh that's the singer because that's what everybody does that's what even i do like yeah like, Pavement, Steve Malkmus, right? Like, I know some of the other band members' names, right? Or Smashing Pumpkins, oh, it's <laughs> Billy Corgan, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, My Bloody Valentine, it's Kevin Shields and Belinda Butcher, right? So it's like... Yeah, who, who are the other people in that band? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, Colm or something? Yeah, some weird Irish thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, like what are, for, for better or for worse, I get like distracted and I feel like I should take your advice and try and like give myself some space to just like not feel like I have social obligations to these people, like my friends. You really like don't, you know, you really know. don't. Like I know they Listen. wouldn't take it personally, but it's just like in my own brain. I'm like, yeah. Oh, so and so is here to see me. So and so is here to see me. Like blah 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 blah. Like I have to go talk to them, and then I get yeah. all caught up in that. And then there's also all the people that didn't get to talk to you before the show that want to talk to you after the show. And then I also have a tendency to get caught up in that too. And then it's it's just making me think about the the last show we played, which was our record release show. Like I don't think I have ever been so exhausted as I was after that show because like I had like one and a half drinks and I wasn't even that drunk and by the time I got home I was just like I just totally emotionally and physically overexerted myself so bad that I like almost threw up my roommates like had to help me get up the stairs and like feed me and give me water (laughs) and Tylenol and I believe I'm just like I'm like, if I ever go on tour, I cannot ever exert myself at every single show like I did that day. No, it was really just like, I was even so, I was exhausted for like two days afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to think before I was playing shows that green rooms were just like a way for the artist to like be cool and exclusive. You know, that's like, that was like the outsider yeah. perspective. 
now it's like I see it as a very real necessity to like absolutely put on a good show even like I, I couldn't imagine like mingling before and after the entire time and then like oh shit it's gotta go on stage now I mean some people are like that god bless them I, I can't even put myself in that mindset. I can't even imagine. Like I, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of like an introvert to begin with, which like having a podcast is a weird thing for an introvert to do. But I, I just think that, you know, it's so much, like you said, like I'm looking like we have our record release in February and like, I'm so looking forward to it. But at the same time, like I'm imagining all of the emotional work that's going to need to be done and just like all the texts that I'm going to be fielding for like a week leading up to it. Just like people wanting to know where do they get tickets and people wanting to know like where the fuck do they park? You know, like my, my uncle comes, he's going to want to know where to park. Yeah. He's going to want all this shit. Where do I get food beforehand? Where do I park? Where is it? I'm like, if you just Google the show, like I'll tell you where it is. You'll yeah. find out what time it's at, where, like, more details on where it is. I'm just, like, I'm not, like, some of these things, like, I'm sure you know, especially when you play a hometown show, you're just, like, I'm coming to see everyone. I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to see you. I'm, like, I'm, like, very appreciative and grateful that they're, like, coming yeah. out to support, but it's just, like, I can't. That show, our, our record release show made me realize, like, I can't. I can't yeah. like socialize with everyone. I mean, I think, obviously, it really shows like a little bit different, but yeah, still. I think people think about it like if they're not in bands or something, uh, they think about a show that you're playing as just like a party that you're throwing, which in a way it is. But like the difference being like if you're just throwing a party, mingling is the whole purpose. Like you, you have people there so that you can interact with them and all that. If you throw a show, it's it's kind of like it's it's you're throwing it so that other people can mingle and then you can provide like entertainment, but there almost needs to be like a fourth wall for me. Like I, I, I need to have like yeah. that, that wall. Like I'm so thankful that like the loving touch has a green room because like when we play that show, like I'm going to text my family beforehand. Like, look, I'll talk to you after the show. I'm going to be not out there for a lot of this. Like I, cause I'm, I just get social anxiety pretty not pretty bad i don't want to say that but like if i'm at like a big show it's fine if it's my big show losing my mind yeah i'm the like i like i feel like i don't project that i'm anxious because i like force myself to go out and socialize with people yeah i think i learned my lesson i don't need to feel obligated to do that (laughs) yeah and i want to say one psa for anybody listening and this this applies to if you see me at a show or anybody, I feel like almost any artist, some of them might not be willing to say this, but I will say it on behalf of everyone. If you like a band, you want to go talk to them, do it. Wait till they're done taking their shit off the stage. Please. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Yes. It's so hard to like... Because a lot of times there's another band coming on and you're trying to like undo all your cables and pedals and shit and someone wants to do someone's just like that was cool and it's like thanks I, I gotta do this thing real quick and you don't want to feel dismissive in a really weird position where it's like oh, I don't want to like 
I don't want to be like, a dick. I don't want Yeah. It's like this someone, this person really liked what I just did. Like, I'm so appreciative, but it's like this weird dichotomy. Like, I'm so appreciative, but also so like, get me out of the situation right now so I can, you know, you get my, sh- yeah. So I'm just, that's the PSA. It's, it's all love, but that, that needs to be said, I feel. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think we'll pretty we'll wrap it up. I think that's about it. Uh, if you can, you guys, you know, plug, find you online, social media, music, and all that stuff, real quick. Yes, uh, I guess so. We're on all major streaming platforms. You know, Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, those are the big two. Uh, big Vic, and then the album is Girl Buried. Um, and then we so the. Band's Instagram is big.vic.wav. And then. That's a little, that's a little uh, Easter egg for the audio people. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and then I guess my personal Twitter is kind of turned into where I tweet about the band stuff, um, which is diet underscore emo. <laughs> I've had that uh, username on many of my social media since I was a junior and senior in high school now. It was like a, a stupid thing my brother would say to me, and I thought it was funny. So it's it's stuck Branding. around. Branding. Gotta, gotta have a consistent brand. Yeah, I know. Uh, speaking of brands, okay, like my... Activism. My my Instagram brand, uh, my username is Jeff Brown Online. That's G E O F F Brown, like the color on like or on online. Uh, Jeff Brown Online. That's my that's my. You know what else is? You know what else is? You know what else is brown, Jeff? But. Oh shit! Oh no! Uh-huh. <laughs> no one's ever compared my name to poop before. I'm sorry. Yeah, for some reason, my audio cut out early, so I thought it would be funny to just end that episode right when the poop joke was made. So, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> DIY podcasts are cool. <laughs>